Welcome to the Timeless Teachings podcast and Timeless Teachings YouTube channel. My name is Jana, and I'm your guide into the world of mysticism, spirituality, and consciousness in a practical and down-to-earth way. Here we have open and honest conversations with teachers, leaders, influencers, and simply ordinary people from all over the world about subjects that matter for our mind, body, and soul. It is all about weaving the sacred, the soulful, and the ordinary into our everyday life. This episode is a heart-to-heart conversation between my dear friend Artie Sharma and myself. Artie has been following my spiritual sabbatical journey for the last eight months, and recently she asked me to share what I have learned during my around-the-world traveling in the midst of the pandemic. She has been particularly interested in the three weeks I have spent with the community of TM meditators at Maharishi Vedic City in Iowa, United States. In this episode, we talk about everything from depression, panic attacks, mental health awareness, to souls calling, states of consciousness, why some spiritual practices are really dangerous, how to recognize a real teacher, how to find home within yourself, and just a lot of laughter, human connection, and heart-to-heart moments. Well, I'm very happy that we actually here today, and and uh, yes, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I am so so happy to see you, Yana. And like I said before we started recording, it is always so wonderful to see you. And I think I always use this word, you're glowing, and I'm going to use that word again today. <laughs> I think you're not just glowing with happiness, but you're also glowing with so much enrichment that you've received in these eight months. Um, that we all know, I think for those people who probably know by now and those who don't know, I would like to just mention that Yana has been on a gap year, which is a very, very, uh, I think, uh, very unique gap year where she's traveling all over the world in this pandemic times. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's probably some, there's some purpose, uh, not just for her, for everyone who's listening to her, hearing her story, reading her you know, posts on the Facebook, listening to her timeless teachings, all that she's been uh, bringing to us. I thought, why not bring Yana on live and present to everyone, um, especially after the post that she posted, which kind of literally draw me back to you. Yana, I was like... It was so special. Yes. So tell me, what was so special about the post that, that you really attracted to your attention? You know, today morning when I was reading it all over again, Yana, it was so surreal. I had goosebumps when I'm reading every single passage of your post. I don't know if you even realize the impact of how pure it was, because that's the only post where you haven't put any hashtags. There's almost nothing. And you've ended it with just Yana. You know, I felt that it was just you flowing out. And it is so wonderful to see someone so generous to share their learnings as they're coming to them and just pouring out to the world because you know we always try and accumulate try and make sense of it 
put it into some perspectives, arrange it, organize it, and then present to the world. But someone, it's so refreshing to see someone so pure and, you know, the way you share. And this post started with the title, Three Weeks in Heaven on Earth. I know you're already walk, having a magical life, but tell me, the first line I would like to read. So we are, I'm going to really read through the whole thing. And that's okay. where I would like okay. to read. Yes, ma'am. You are the boss. <laughs> the first passage you said that I came here with no expectations, just like any other place. And it has been pure magic all the way. Tell us what hit you. What, what took you by surprise when you, when you went there? I think people. That was probably uh, the most um, um, amazing part. And I am saying it also, given that I have been traveling, as you said, right? In the last eight months, I have went through, I think it was 16 or 17 countries. I actually have to count how many. And I don't know how many places within those countries, because if you travel, say, within the United States, it's like each state is a country itself, right? So there was just a lot of movement around and it was done also during pandemic, during COVID with all the restrictions. And I know that many people have just been asking me, like, how did you even do that? Like, how, how is it possible to travel like this during this, these times that we are facing right now? And maybe that's an entire conversation of itself. How do you do things like this? But then what I'm trying to say that I have seen a lot of people and they're amazing people and in all kinds of countries and cultures. And I, I, I was just very happy and, and very blessed that I could stay with people. Many opened their homes and I stayed with them and their families. So it means that I also got to know about their lifestyle and how they look at life and, and how they are as people really deep from inside, right? Which is very, very important. And, um, and all this was beautiful. And yet, when I arrived in this particular place at the Maharishi Vedic city, that was just, that was like the, the crown, you know, of, of, the, whole, uh, of, of the whole trip. Wow. And uh, given that it's also in the location of it, it's located in Iowa, in the United States. And I remember that my friends uh, were telling me, I mean, you're going to Iowa? I mean, who goes to Iowa? What, what is there in Iowa? There's nothing in Iowa. And I go, yeah, I don't know. I have never been myself. Also, it's my first time. But let oh. me see, you know, what is there. And but I'm saying that I went with no expectations because... I have never even met those people in real life before I arrived. I mean, my connection to this particular place is from Jim Bagnola, who uh, I have interviewed for Timeless Teachings podcast. He was one of the guests. And I think during the interview, he just mentioned that there is this university in Iowa, Maharishi University, where mm -hmm. students meditate as part of the curriculum at the beginning and at the end of each class. And I remember just hearing that was fascinating for me. I'm like this university where students meditate and it's part of the curriculum. And you mean, you mean they do it during the study time and it's okay to do this? And so to me, it was just huge. And then he also shared the, the scientific impact of that. 
So what actually, because they have the brain brain center and Dr. Travis, the Fred Travis, also one of the leading scientists in the United States who is studying actually the functionality of the brain and what is happening to the brain uh, when people are meditating. And they're also doing scans. They're doing scans for all those students the moment they arrive at the university. And then they study there four or five years, right? And then after that, they do their scans again. And uh, the the EQ, the IQ, it just it is going through the roof, and mm-hmm. so it's very interesting. So all those studies. So I just really wanted to to go there and to see it with my own eyes because to me, just purely based even on the educational point of view, this is like education of the future. Yes, now, I would like you know if I were to redo my university degree again, I want to study like that, and I want a kid study like this. So I mean, they also have been saying that they have like children's program, and like I know, for example, Jim's niece, she has been doing meditation since the age of five. So they have like a simple kids' way of doing it, and they're just phenomenal to see children going boom. And they're quiet for 20 minutes, you know? I mean, so that's a tool I think any parents can learn instead of saying, just go and be quiet in the corner. You can say, honey, how about you meditate for 20 minutes? And the child goes, okay, you know? And I just think it's such an important skill to have and to develop. And so when I went, you know, there and I just met them, um, it was just so magical. It was like from from each person, just how they are as people. Then also, you know, often when uh, when you look uh, in people's eyes, I feel. I mean, I, I I definitely can see the soul. Like when I look in the eyes of people, I can see whether the person has been meditating or not, whether the person has been on a spiritual journey or not. It's like what they say that the eyes are the mirrors of the soul, right? So it, it transfers. And so just looking in the eyes of those people, I mean, they're just so expanded. You know, there's so much love and so much compassion. And, and also for me, I think the fact that most of them are in their 70s and 80s, they're, they're sort of the, the core group, right, that has been building together this place. To me, as someone who just turned 39 and starts thinking already, okay, well, I'm gonna probably, I wanna leave at least until 100 and uh, because I just have so many things I wanna do. So how do I do it in such a way that I'm healthy, you know, I'm happy, my mind is stable, my, my body is fully functionable and I can actually do all those things. And so to me, even that was just highly inspirational to look at those people and see their vitality and their 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 mental vitality, you know, their physical strengths, their emotional maturity, and and just how they interact with life and all the things they do and still leave with hundred percent full on. I was like, wow, this is so inspirational because that's also something. It's a time proven thing, right? I mean, they have been doing it for 30, 40, 50 years probably in terms of meditation, and now we can just see. Uh, what, uh, what 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 are the results? What has been happening is the results, and you know, so that just that has been phenomenal. Uh, it, it actually fills me with so much energy. The way you're saying it, you know, it's it's so so such light, but at the same time very powerful 
energy you exude when you even think and remember those people in your mind while you're talking about them. I remember the post before that you had posted about this lady, Miss Margaret, and she, and I I like the the I think the way you write wrote it. It brought everything, though it's very difficult to put in one post about a person's. Uh, you know, 50 years of meditation experience and the way, the fact that she's doing PhD at this age and then she's doing it on something so relevant and so needed for all of us, uh, you know, for even for future. Uh, but at the same time, the correlation and the synchronicity between your age and her age, your date of birth and her date of birth. And when I listened to her, when you record, I think you recorded her behind some yes. light. She was pure light. The way she spoke, I mean, it. That's that's the first post that hooked me to your Maharishi uh, Vedic University stay. And then this was like an icing on the cake. And I had to, <laughs> I had to really ask you to share more, share more, because um, I think we we often lose this kind of, you know, these gems. Uh, you know, in, in so much social media happening around us, so many posts in a day, so many WhatsApp messages, so much that this is something to be, you know, savored. This is something to be sit, we should sit with, listen to these people who've been there. And like I said, there is always a person who's experiencing and the experience mm -hmm. and the synergy of the both that brings something unique to the world. And you are that. Because you could bring that from that lady to all of us, me sitting in Singapore, who's not traveled like you in a leap year, I'm just sitting here and I'm savoring all your experiences. And I thank you so much for that on behalf of not just me, but a lot of people, I think, who just go through your posts, listen to you. And, and what I want to highlight here is the, the magnanimity of your sharing the amount of sharing you've done, you've not left even a single day where you gained something or you something touched you, something moved you, and you have not shared with people. Because you become that medium where anything comes to you, you feel it, it is it is for everyone. Why should it be just for me? And just yes. like that today, whatever you say is not for me to savor, but for everyone. Therefore, we want to be on live. And I would like everyone who are listening to this who can post anything they want to ask Yana, please mm -hmm. feel free. She's there. And I'm sure she would be very happy to answer any questions. Yes, I'm also, I'm also checking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also, I'm also checking to see, you know, with the comments and I'm trying to be here with you and at the same time checking the phone to see if there are people who are asking something. And I just also want to say, even in after we record the conversation, if there are anything guys you want to ask in the comments in specific, please do ask. And then we will just continue this conversation in the comments, which is also beautiful because sometimes in the written language, something else comes out, which we don't sort of utilize in a spoken language. Right. And uh, I just feel what you said, Arati, it's, uh, it's so true, you know. Um, and I think it's probably also a big part of who I am. And uh, that's, and, and I'm, 
I fully realize I'm very blessed that I also have an opportunity to do this. I mean, during pandemic, many people for many reasons were not able to go in the road, you know, the way how I did. And even for me, of course, I mean, many said it was dangerous and it was crazy or it was very uncertain, which definitely it was in all kinds of other ways. And I don't want to sort of go into details, you know, about that part of the journey, but it was not an easy journey to do uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. I mean, I also went several times through like massive down moments, like I want to go home moments. Or so it, it was not easy, especially as a woman when you travel along during uncertain times, all yeah. kinds of situations come up, right? And, um, but at the same time, I felt that I just have to do this. Like I cannot not do this. And it's- I want to ask you, Yana, what, what- what makes you, uh, you know, pull yourself up from those times and say that yes, I want to do this? Is there, is there, a, is there a, is there a, is there a force behind you that gives you that energy, or from where, where do you? What is your motivation? I feel it's like it's like that 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 burning of the heart, right? Or this burning of the soul. So it is not something intellectual. I might not be able logically explain because probably there's no logical explanation why someone would just sort of say to the family, you know, guys, I'm just going to go around the world for one year and I don't even know why, but I really feel I have to do this. And mm-hmm. I mean, how do you explain that, right? So there's no particular explanation, but and it's also especially given that, I mean, I have an amazing family life, so there's no really reason for me. Like it's not, I'm not running away from something, which sometimes people all also do when they do those kind of journey, right? Sometimes we do soul searching or traveling because we, we just don't want to face the reality. I mean, my reality is beautiful. So it was I feel it was even harder to do this because then you have to walk away from something which is already really, really good. Yeah. And and I think, and yet I felt that it was like an inner voice. There was something in me that told me that I need to go on this journey. First of all, I think for myself to realize things I need to realize. And in a way, I feel it's almost like a right to passage. Like sometimes we actually have to physically travel somewhere to feel that we arrive into something, right? And I guess for me, it was like this transitioning in a way from maidenhood into the womanhood. So that was this massive kind of maturity process to arrive even deeper home within myself and arrive into the woman within me, not a girl, not sort of an adolescent, right? But a woman within me. And I feel a woman comes just, it's even more nurturing. Woman comes with more maturity, more wisdom. So more understanding and more compassion because this is just what female energy, which is healthy and mature is. And plus on top of that, I also felt that I want to see for myself what is happening around the world. You know, I, I don't, I mean, we, we are being told all kinds of things by media, by different media everywhere, and it is very hard to know what is true. So I felt I also just wanted to be on the ground and see what is really happening and talk to people, right? I mean, talk to people um, and ask their perspective. So how, how are they living their lives? What is happening there? And that was also very, very interesting, you know, of itself, just to have those conversations. And in fact, I have been uh, journaling as much as I possibly could while being on the road. I, I, I was writing down those conversations in the best possible way, being unfiltered and untouched 
So exactly how the person said it without me interpreting or paraphrasing it. So I have those notes also with me, which um, people have been telling me now, well, now you have to write a book since you have notes, right? So which the whole kind of other thing. But yes, because the conversations itself are phenomenal and I just learned more and more. And to me, it's this daily proof how just incredible wise human beings are and how everyone is a teacher. And I mean, yes, there are some people who are more sort of in a position of a teacher and maybe we look up to them because that's their life, what it's about. But I believe we are all teachers and we are all learning from each other all the time. And to me, it's a very kind of democratic equal process because I feel everyone can learn from everyone all the time. And in fact, if we do this, this is how we create a more harmonious society. And um, and so that was also a very big reason, you know, to do that. And I think now also on top of this, uh, another one was which I feel many people would relate because I have had it from many. It was tough. 2020 was tough mentally, right? And there is this huge sort of rise also in what we're talking about, mental pandemic and this attention about mental health and awareness around mental health. I mean, definitely, despite I think all the support that I have been receiving in all my practices after just being through all what we all went through the moment COVID started uh, with all the lockdowns and restrictions and social isolation, I think I just really wanted to be around people. Like I needed to be around humans, not only on internet and social media, but like in a physical presence. And it was important also to just talk to people. That's why I largely stayed with people, not in the hotels or apartments, like Airbnb apartments, but with people because I wanted to be with humans. And uh, that's, I think, a lot to do with just uh, mental well-being. Because when we, at least I found to be in the isolation and I think I'm, people often perceive me to be very extroverted, but I actually feel that I am more introverted than people think. So I do like time with myself, but even for me, who is very comfortable to be alone and I'm like my best company when I'm just with myself, even for me, it was hot. So I can't even imagine how difficult it has been for people who are by nature more extroverted, who kind of by nature need to be more around other humans and suddenly they were not able to do that. So I, I really, like my heart goes out, you know, to everyone who has been suffering from this mental sort of disturbance in the last several years, because that has been happening all over the world. And, um, and so when I was traveling, you know, what I saw also meeting all those people that maybe because we have been now united in that separation, which is an interesting play with words, right? So, but we have been uniting in that separation all over the world. I found that people just became so much more compassionate, at least people that I know. Maybe I'm just blessed to be with people like that. So everywhere where I would go, humans just became better humans. People are kinder, they are more welcoming, they are more understanding, they are more generous, they, they genuinely wanna be with other people, they wanna help. And that was just, I don't know, an amazing experience. Because even at the very beginning when I started it, um, and that pretty much was the story of all eight months that I was on the road, I had no plans. I didn't structure anything. 
Therefore, I didn't know exactly where I'm going to go, who I'm going to see, where I'm going to stay. I mean, I, I think pretty much, uh, I think we just got the flight that was available to Europe and the flight that was available was to Zurich. And this is how it became Switzerland as the first uh, destination, because that was the flight from Singapore. And I just did a post on Facebook, actually, saying that, look, I'm coming to Switzerland and I really want to stay with people. Is there someone there who would be willing to host me? Yeah. Several, several people reached out. And uh, no, and that was, that was just so amazing uh, that I, I, I'm just, that's what I mean, the human kindness and generosity. And those people, it's not like we have been spending a lot of time together or we have been historically, you know, great friends and we know each other very well. Those people, they know me largely from social media. And maybe like we met a few times very casually at the social events, but that said, we don't really know each other as people. So to me, it was just amazing to see that uh, that love and connection from those women, you know, who also were the very first one. And uh, yeah, Anna, Carmen, that's, that's just amazing. I think, um, yes, all these reasons that you you mentioned are, are definitely uh there but oh, uh, do you think there is also another reason that there's some people who are chosen for this because you know um, yeah. <laughs> um like you're saying not everyone can have the uh, i feel i'm 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 blessed that i could do it and i understand that you appreciate that uh, you have that gratitude but at the same time there are many people who could do it but they wouldn't still you know be able to do it in exactly not exactly, but in the way that you're doing. What I find beauty in all this is not that you're doing it. You're going and reaching out to different corners of the world at the time when actually people are saying distance, maintain distance. You're actually reducing the distance. You're actually bringing yourself closer to people. And in all that, you're actually hearing from so many different corners of the world, of this planet that we are inhabiting, that what is their story? What is their understanding? How they are, and what what does what does what is life to them? And then, and the, why you are chosen? Why I say that is because you're bringing that out to everyone. You're not limiting to yourself and that conversation. Like you said, you pen down those conversations. Uh, who would take that effort? You know, who would take that effort to post this? That I'm going to Switzerland. Is anybody there to host me, or is anybody would like to have me uh, around? Or and subsequent other places that you went, and even about your breakdowns. There was a post. I think you did a live on uh, one of the airport transitions where you were asked, "Why are you going? Where are you going? Why you don't know where you're going?" And in that same puzzle manner, you did post it as purely as it was that look, this, this is what I'm encountering right now. And I just don't know how to deal with it. But at the same time, I feel a lot of peace within because I think I'm still doing the right thing. You know, that all, all that is, is not something very simple to comprehend, but it is, and I'm not trying to say this in a way that you're special or something, but I'm just saying that we must appreciate the grace in all of this is not just, uh, for a person, but it is for a lot of others because they are, all this looks like as a game in a way that a person is going around, you know, gaining all this knowledge, putting it in different formats because you are having that talent too. You have reduced timeless teachings. You have 
you are if you're going to bring out your book uh, i hope you remember like oh, a year ago you were talking about the book and you know now it's happening on its own now people are pushing you to write a book yes. and they are supporting you so it's like the universe manifests uh, or brings together the things that are so right for someone so that it it also helps everyone it's a collective effort and someone who understands that someone who can bring that who can be the right medium for that is chosen for these things and that and and i why i want to mention this again is because i was watching one of the you know comedy shows indian comedy shows on tv and there's one of the very humble but very renowned singer uh, indian singer he sings in indian bollywood films and he's a very simpleton uh, but he has a beautiful voice he's been singing from the age of 5 so you can clearly see it's you know uh, god's grace on him and he was asked this question it's a comedy show so he's asked a question in a funny way why do you think you you look so young at this age you know you you almost look like your son's brother and i think soon you'll surpass him to look like his younger brother so where is this charm of youth coming from and he said he's a very simple guy and he, his answer was so you know it just made the person the host totally spellbound because it was such a simple answer but very very profound he said you know i like to give and i don't know oh, that and and you know when you give the god thinks he's such a nice person he should give so god keeps giving him so he keeps giving because he's found the right vessel so he won't tire me he won't make me old he won't cripple me he won't do anything wrong to me so i can i can continue to be that fresh vessel full of enthusiasm and energy so i have seen a lot of such people who are real who don't say it but they are true givers and they are full of enthusiasm and childlike charisma in them and that's why that's what i want to highlight here because i love that in anyone i see and i love to bring it out to everyone to see that if you really want that you have to be the true giver and not just say be the giver <laughs> exactly you know and it's so true art is actually really really important important uh, kind of part of the conversation that you're highlighting because this also has been my direct experience and that's i think which humbled me even more and brought me to almost like to tears you know with that that realization how much i'm loved and supported by god and by humans and it brings such an incredible gratitude that um like i didn't expect and not just with this particular place in the iowa right but in general i didn't expect any of the blessings that i received uh, over the course of my travel now for these 8 months and every day was a blessing and i was just amazed how is it possible that every day can be a miracle like how is it even possible you know to to be in that state and what i realized that in my case i can speak only for myself right i am the one who found uh media especially social media because that's easy and everyone can do uh to be a sort of something like a tool where i can share uh what i'm learning and what i'm what i'm witnessing with other people so and you have known me for years also through that and so we met and many people have been following me and but you don't know what was kind of happening 
behind, right? So many other people were telling me for years now, Yana, why are you doing this? I mean, who does that? Don't you have anything else to do? You already have a full life. Why do you spend your time doing all those posts and articles and videos and, you know, day after day after day for such a long time? I mean, I think I was probably also one of the very first ones, even in Singapore, who started to create content that is giving it away for people. And everyone was saying, why would you do this? I mean, don't you know, don't you think like more commercially? Don't you think that, I know, something more logically? You know, this is like makes absolutely no sense. And I was always feeling, well, I just have to. I, I feel that this is just the right thing to do. And what was interesting for me after giving for so many years, just how much it's coming back at me right now. I mean, it, I, I can't even begin to describe the support that I'm receiving from people. And it is just on this journey for the last eight months, it was very visible support because I needed a place to stay. You know, I needed to be somewhere. I, I needed to be taken care of. I was also sick. So I needed someone by my side, right? So I needed human support. And those were all people, they are not my family members. You know, again, they are not people who are, have been sort of close to me in terms of uh, friendship that they have known me for years, like in a very personal way, most of them are strangers. And so to me, that kindness, it, it's just overwhelming. And it's, uh, I think I'm still processing and integrating just kindness of people. And when I was, I ask, I ask some of them, like, why would you do that? I mean, you don't even know me. Right? Like, why would you be so kind and so generous to me? That's you... a good question to ask. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, why would you do that? And, you know, the answer was consistently when people would say, well, actually, I do know you. I have been following you on social media and I have seen you and, and I know you. I know your heart. I know your soul. I know you as a person because I have seen you there consistently. And so to me, you know, I, I trust you. That was the most important thing people were saying. They were saying, because I know you, I feel I trust you. And, and that was just, I don't know, just an incredibly humbling experience and also eye-opening in so many ways for me, just the power of that, right? And I know that, especially during the pandemic and COVID, many people sort of feel that, um, face-to-face -face conversation became of a particular value. And, and I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's very important when we actually see each other, when we're physically in the same proximity, when we are having this conversation, right? Because then our energy also communicates in a different way. And yet, I wouldn't underestimate the power of internet connection and particularly social media. And personally, the joke is that I, before that, even though I was on social media for a long time, I was never really a big fan of it for all kinds of other reasons, because I felt it takes us away from real life and, you know, all kinds of other things, right? But now during this travel in the last eight months, I really felt this power of community. And community is largely built right now through the online presence, because that's how we stay connected, because we live all over the world and we are so global. And just people I know, they're so global and they do live all over the world. Right. So how do we stay connected? It's not social media. And I mean, look, I mean, I was on the road. You were with me every day or whenever you were on Facebook or Instagram and just in seeing, oh, this is what is happening. Right. I think there's a lot of power in that. 
Yeah, I would like to add to that that there are a lot of people who've been separated because of a lot of reasons. They can't travel or because they, they have uh, maybe different regulations and because children's schooling, they can't travel. It personally happened with me. I lost my mother-in-law in these times and my husband traveled to India for her, all her rituals. Uh, it was because it was that time that you, it was still a lot of Omnicon was still very, very prevalent. And my daughter had some submissions and stuff like that. And, you know, both brothers needed to be with the father more. And I have seen the power of uh, technology because it, I, I personally felt because I used to do soul conversations and I was against doing it online. And uh, no one more than me can possibly understand this a year ago. But how life teaches you, we have to be malleable. We have to be ductile. We have to understand and flow life. Why is it doing it this way? It's probably because it is for now the best thing to happen. And we must, you know, sort of accept it. Not not scum to it, but accept it like, you know, in, in you know, bring it all together as, you know, accepting it totally. So, you know, watching everything through, you know, video calls, I was there and I could actually feel the pain of what is happening there. I could feel the sorrow. I could feel the grieving. I could grieve with them. And I think this is possible only because, say, sitting away so far away, we can still exchange, you know, love. We can we can share each other's pain. We can share each other's joy. You know, we can be there for each other, even though we cannot reach there instantly. We could speak to, you know, my father-in-law and you know, cheer him up, or or you know, just 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 be with him, and you know, be on the call with him. Just hear him say whatever he wants to say. Was is is also the power, not just. Not just the fact that when we have some, you know, celebrations that we posted, but also in the real need, in the real need. And I think that's what Mark Zuckerberg also said when he felt that many times when he saw the power of Facebook, how he felt that this is this is what has transformed many lives. A lot of donations were raised. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people could even, uh, you know, post about blood transfusions and a lot of lot of lives were saved, you know, because of the rapid uh, exchange of information through social media. Of course, everything has its own downside if you don't use it well, but everything can be constructively used. And I have realized, and it has changed my perspective, that yes, we can still be in our essence, even through online interactions, because if, if that is keeps what keeps us safe, if that is what keeps us connected and you know, care for each other, if that shouldn't come in the way of caring for each other or giving to each other. Um, it, it was a huge lesson learned exactly. during these times. Exactly. And so to me, it's all, I mean, fundamentally, it's about human connection. And that's all what it is about. It's just about connecting, you know, humans with humans. And so a big part of my journey all over the world through all those 16, 17 countries was just to see that, that people are people. And I saw that when people are in stress and under pressure, in my experience, it brings out the best in them. You know, sometimes people say that when people sort of in a difficult circumstances, it brings out the worst in humanity. I personally disagree with that. 
So I think actually it brings the best in humans because then you see other person suffering and you, you genuinely want to help. So it's very natural. But could also be it's what you said, maybe just people who are around me and in the community, because we do have a community here. So they are just all they are just all good people. <laughs> and they really wanna they, they mean well and they wanna do the right things. And many of them are practitioners or meditators, right? Mm -hmm. Or they are sort of connected to spirituality or consciousness one way or, or another, some more than others, but sort of they are interested at least, otherwise they wouldn't be here. So maybe it's also just the community of people, which then shows me the importance of the community. And I feel also that during my travel for sure, um. I just felt this love and support of the community of people from all over the world. And that's, it is an incredible, you know, it's an incredible experience of itself. Yeah. So taking something out of, uh, you know, again, your passage, I would like to read it further that you wrote that I learned things I never knew about a few personalities that you've mentioned. <laughs> Doug yes. Hansen, Oprah, Beatles, Jim Carrey, Deepak Chopra, and so much more. I'm sure these personalities almost all of us know about because uh, we've been probably reading their books or we've watched their work and all that, um, or even seen their interviews. So tell me if, if you have to summarize for all of us, um, what is it that really uh, you know intrigued you what you had or not already known about them that you found in that center that probably was displayed or shown there that 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 moved you so much what i didn't know about all these people that they are all meditators <laughs> so that <laughs> you know i mean some of them we know and because we hear the names but once i started hearing the stories that it was more just stories people who uh know have known them personally or know them personally that all these people they're the ones who actually came to this particular place in iowa and they all learn transcendental meditation and like i know that's like oprah that apparently in her team right people who work for her they meditate as part of their just working routine but they have so it's the same like at this Maharishi University when they meditate as part of the curriculum so when she brought it into business right and make it sort of we're just going to meditate because she saw the benefits I mean Deepak Chopra is also definitely has been one of the very first uh, followers when Maharishi just started and he learned transcendental meditation and then kind of went doing his own thing after that but it's all rooted in TM practice. I mean, Beatles were one of the very first supporters, I think back in when it was 60s, 70s, right? And when they actually made it very popular because they were very popular. And so which brings us to so someone who is just very well known publicly when this person picks up something, everyone wants to do that, right? So Beatles were sort of that group that just popularized TM at that time. And uh, I mean, like, like people like Jim Carrey, right? And just all other names. It's, it's also, I think, related because uh, in, in the Vedic city in Iowa, they have one of the best Ayurveda centers. So they have an incredible Ayurveda clinic. And I just recorded an interview with uh, Candice Badgett, who is co-owner also of that place. And we were just talking about that because we're going to be releasing an interview with her on Timeless Teachings podcast. It was interesting to hear also her perspective and, you know, the work she does and she works with women specifically. So women and spirituality, you know, that was also an interesting angle. Mm -hmm. And all these people, they were just, 
they have been going there, they have been studying there, you know, they, they have been bringing this into their families and into their work culture. And so to me, I, I didn't know that so many people from, from US at least, that again, as you said, names that we know because we have seen them on TV, we read their books, right? I mean, that I didn't know that they were all studying at the same place. <laughs> So that was very interesting to see. And then, of course, just to hear all the stories that has been happening, which I don't think I can mention on camera. But yes, that was, you know, there were a lot of things which is also just going on behind, which is also just very interesting to see the human factor and uh, how people make decisions and why they make decisions. And you just learn, you know, so much just about human beings. And still the fundamental parts that everyone is, everyone is there in meditation. And that's what I feel, which is the most important key message I feel to everything. Um, that people who invest their time into conscious practices, it just makes them better people. And I feel right now the world needs better people more than ever. So for us sort of to transition into, you know, the next reality where we can actually create a world which is a bit more functional than the one we are living in right now. <laughs> and and um, you mentioned transcendental meditation a few times. And so is there is there a, a quick way you can explain to everyone what is it or is it, is Let it me too try. Let me try. Okay. So just a full disclosure. I'm not a TM teacher and uh, it's not something I have known, you know, personally for a long time, but in my own understanding, I think I can. So transcendental meditation, it's a meditation technique that has been developed by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And I think uh, he came from India to the United States, maybe in fifties and sixties. And um, so he was like one of those, sort of key figures from the East that came to the West to teach people about spirituality. And because also he came around that wave when they were hippies, they were 60s, they were 70s, right? So all that uh, movement. So it was a very kind of just fertile time to bring it because people really wanted it. So he came just synchronicity-wise, it was a perfect timing for that. And so he arrived uh, in the United States and, and also it was not like he just woke up once in India and said, oh, I'm going to go to US and teach, right? So it was not ego-centered. It was more following uh, the guidance of his teacher who told him to go and share it with more people because they just wanted to create this more coherence in the collective field. And they found that the TM practice in particular just creates that. And so he arrived in the US and he started, you know, doing the teaching and uh, which now became this huge movement. And they have centers all over the world, including Singapore, actually, which I'm yet to visit. <laughs> and so what the TM practice is, it's, uh, it's a form of meditation that um, helps you to transcend by yourself, sort of with, with yourself and for yourself. It's an entirely individual practice. It's always taught one-on-one -on -one with the teacher where you receive like a guidance how to do that. And um, basically what it helps to do is bring the mind into this natural state, right? And I know they use the similar term. They, for example, 
Like I know in a Tibetan teaching state, they call it uh, the, the beginner's mind, but sometimes we heard this. So that's, but in a way, ATM also does at the beginning of the practice. It helps you to settle so much that you go inside yourself and you go into this beginner's mind, which is not disturbed too much by, by things which are happening around. And um, by connecting deeper with that part of yourself in your consciousness, the transcendental process starts. And now, so what is the transcendence? Transcendence is um, a, it's, it's a state of consciousness. So we know that there is um, a waking state, like when we awake right now, right? When we just go about throughout the day. So there is a sleeping state when we are asleep. There is a dreaming state when we have dreams. And this is a transcendental state. It's an entirely different state of consciousness. So meditation is not the same as sleeping. That's what I'm trying to say here. So it's a very different way how uh, it works in our mind. It also, um, the, the conversation I have had in, uh, in, in, in Medic City with Dr. Fred Travis, who is a brain scientist, for me, it was very interesting to see also from the scientific point of view, what scientists actually say about specifically the TM practice and they measure the brain waves, right? And they say based on the measurement of the brain waves and the coherence of the left and right brain and how they talk to each other, they can see the benefits, which is just for people who are more sort of scientifically minded and more left brain, you know, focused. I know it's an important information, so it's not... Let's just sit together with closed eyes and feel oneness. I mean, for someone, they understand. For, uh, for other people, they don't understand. But then if we say, you know, there is an increased coherence between your left and right brain and your, your just brain function improves overall. It's an entirely different conversation. Mm-hmm. So TM has very, it's a very holistic practice. And I mean, you have known me for years, right? And you know that I have tried all kinds of things and I studied with all kinds of teachers. And so what I found specifically about this one, that it is very easy and anyone can do that. And I think that's very important if we want to introduce more people to meditation. Because, for example, some of the other practices I I was doing before, I mean, I can do them. I have, you know, I I can go on for three, four, five, six hours doing sort of a very advanced spiritual practice with visualization and mantras and and all kinds of other things. But I understand that many people wouldn't want to, first of all, and maybe wouldn't be able even to do that. So it's very hard to transfer, right? And uh, at the same time, something like TM, it is very easy. And also there is no sort of, there is no uh, requirement before in terms of you, you, don't, you don't need to do anything before. You can just start wherever you are and everyone is progressing. There's no such thing as it doesn't work. It always works. That's what I like about it. So there's always progress regardless of where you are in life right now. And that's the beautiful part of that. That's so, and, and sort of that's the entire community which you are referring to in Iowa, in the Maharishi Vedic city. So everything there is based on the TM, right? That's their practice. And it was really interesting, even on human level. I mean, I just have this uh, phenomenal experience because I was staying there, as I said, with, with the friend who also invited me, right? To this particular place with Jim Bagnola and 
Um, there are also many other neighbors around. So just the way how they live, there are people kind of living in close proximity. And so it was very easy for me to just pop out around. It was meditation there is done usually between like 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. when kind of in the evening, the evening part, when the whole town just meditates. So it was interesting experience, just walk oh, out. And that's so it's like, exactly. Like collective meditation. Exactly. So there are a specific timing when people try to sort of meditate for the collective coherence. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was interesting experience to walk out of the house sort of where I was staying and walk in another apartment, you know, of the neighbor, a woman who I don't even know pretty much. I mean, we sort of just met and say, hi, can we meditate together, <laughs> right? And the person wow. said, sure, you know. Just their, I mean, this is their everyday life. This is their everyday life, exactly. This is their everyday life. And I have been in that, in that schedule with them for three weeks when there is a morning meditation and there is the evening meditation. And so I want to ask you, Yana, because you have done, like you rightly said, uh, you have done, a lot of practices you you for you meditation is not is not difficult you've been trying different types of meditation you've been practicing them also so how was how did it change you what change it brought in you because that's what is very practical uh, thing for people to learn from someone who's been doing it now who is who's been in that environment for three weeks and has probably practiced every single day transcendental meditation what what did it bring to you what change it brought There are two things that come to mind right away. So one, I feel that it made me more equipped with just interacting with daily life. It made me like more present, more active. I have more energy and I'm I'm just able to go about my daily life kind of in a more coherent way. Like I'm not spacey, you know, because sometimes what happens with meditations, if you do it a lot, that's kind of dissociating with the reality a little bit. So, and then it is, I, at least in my experience, it was the case. And I also heard it from many other meditators who were just doing intense practices. It is very hard to go there and stay in the society. This mm. separation, right? And people get lost in that. And I know personally people who are lost like this, that they have been doing practices and they still maybe stay in the family or they have a job and they struggle because they kind of neither here nor there. They're not in the monastic world, you know, but they are neither in a society either. So it's a very difficult place to be, I find. And um, so TM for me, it showed me how can I be at my best in the society? Because this is where I am, right? I'm here and I have a family, you know, I'm with people, I teach, I interact. So I cannot disassociate or detach so much that I'm not present here. I have to be present. And mm-hmm. uh, so that just made me even more present. And I appreciate that very much because then, especially now, I just landed in Singapore and it has been just so busy. Like everyone wants to see me or do something. It was a lot of things has been just happening. And so my days are very, very full immediately. And that practice, which I keep now, the TM practice in the morning and in the evening, It helps me to just create that structure and enough energy within myself so I can go gracefully through my day and just interact, you know, interact with people without without sort of falling too much into drama if it is happening, 
or you know without again even without getting too excited about something because as they say when you actually go about life the most kind of coherent way of doing it is when you're balanced mm. when you're balanced with whatever is coming your way right so when you're just meeting it with full presence and so that what i feel that tm has been giving me that 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 particular presence and as a bonus I really like, and it's the, the, the term I learned while being there for three weeks. People use the term uh, unstressing, and I never even heard this word before. <laughs> so, and that's like a very interesting one that also part of the practice is, I mean, I can talk now only about this particular practice, right? Because there are many different types of meditation, but definitely part of the TM practice that you, you go through the process of unstressing. So it means exactly. So it means that when we deal with reality and with life, we accumulate stress. I mean, everyone does. Something at home happened. Something at work happened. You know, we we, we looked at the news. What in the world is happening? I mean, it, it's stressful. In fact, right now, especially I think since the COVID started, the amount of stress just multiplied. Everyone is living under massive amount of stress constantly. And so when you do this particular practice, the TM practice the mind and the body starts unstressing. So all of this is being released. And it, it's like a very organic and a natural way to clear the system. Mm -hmm. And I it myself and I find it's beautiful. So to me, even just those two, you know, I, I'm not even going to go into like a sort of conscious aspect of it in terms of the more you do that, the more you start connecting to your higher self, what we call this, the big self, the more you connect to this, you go then into the cosmic consciousness and then you go, you know, into the God consciousness and the unity consciousness and the Brahman consciousness. So for people who are committed to the spiritual path, this is a very tangible, doable, uh, easy tool that is totally integrated in a daily life. So you don't have to choose do I want to be at home in the family and business or do I want to go the spiritual way, right? You can have both. And so- And be very fulfilled in both. Actually. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Exactly. You can be fulfilled in both. And that's the other thing which I also liked uh, about Maharishi teachings that he was saying, uh, he was kind of encouraging people to live 200%. So he was saying, it's not about 100, it's 200. Because you live, what you, you, you achieve- 100% realization within yourself. It's your own fulfillment. And you achieve 100% realization in the society. It's your outer fulfillment, you know, because you're part of the society. And both are equally important. And I personally resonate a lot with this message because I just have seen that because I have been on a spiritual journey for a very long time, right? So I have seen people who kind of say that they want to be more spiritual, they sort of start checking out from the society, from their responsibilities, from their duties, you know, sort of moving to maybe, I'm not saying it's wrong, but even like moving away from the center of the society. And to me, it's a little bit about spiritual escapism, right? So when we sort of don't want to face what is happening, and that's why we move away somewhere else. And mm -hmm. I feel this is not how we solve what is happening in the society. So we solve it by actually creating more conscious people in this society, 
like you and me who are staying here, who are living here, you know, who engaged in some kind of family activities or business activities or social activities. This is the people that I feel need to meditate more than anyone else because they are the one that holds society together. And so that's, and so to me, just TM practice is just one of those practices that uh, it helps people to do that. That's what I like about it. Thank you for sharing. In fact, I was about to ask you a follow-up question on how it you know, doesn't elude you from your daily activities and responsibilities, and you've very beautifully covered that too. Because that's just very important for for someone to uh, understand, and therefore, you know, not don't think of it as a you know spiritual gig that you get into to achieve something and have some ego towards you know being a very wise person. But it's more like having more coherence within yourself to be able to deal with everyday life. You know, be see see the magic in everyday life, but also create. Uh, tangible things like you have to give your child a breakfast you need to make a breakfast you can't just imagine a breakfast and it will appear you know so it's like yeah being being very very practical uh down to uh, earth but at the same time seeing beautiful magic around you seeing the beauty of like you said people seeing good in them or or wanting to uh, you know create something beyond uh, the just for yourself you know Exactly. You know, it's about practical spirituality. It's what we were talking about, right? Just bringing it here into our daily life and creating this unity. Yeah. So I'm I'm just going on with, I'm still halfway through. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, I'm reading that you you also wrote that I was welcomed into the, you know, this is a different kind of an interview. I wanted to go through your passages and then want you to, you know, give more, more to us about what you wrote. I was welcomed into the world famous Ayurveda center and nourished with treatments, uh, got to hear stories from the inner circles of Maharishi's uh, yogi, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Also, you visited the university, listened to the live classes and witnessed students meditating at the beginning, at the end of each class. Um, before that, you also read, wrote that there were visits to people's homes, houses, uh, uh, hours and hours of deep conversations, heart-to-heart meetings with uh, scientists about the nature of mind and what happens to brain during meditation. So um, I, I can totally understand that you soaked yourself every minute of your time over there uh, with really engaging, being present to every, you know, every sort of atom of knowledge that was there and, you know, sort of be like a sponge and and take it. But tell us a bit about the inner stories that you heard that nourished you. And please illuminate us also if there's someone that comes to your mind that you would like to share with us. Okay, one story that comes to my mind. And because maybe it comes to my mind because I do personally respect teachers who are exactly like that. Um, that <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes when someone becomes uh, famous successful, very sort of, you know, there are many students and followers, it's uh, often goes to people's head. I mean, especially in spirituality, right? in the spiritual world, when we talk about uh, spiritual expansion and human ego, ego sometimes just takes over. And uh, I have seen it, and I think we have seen it just around the world happens very often. So to me, teachers who are actually able to keep their humanity and humbleness 
even though they are very successful and very famous at what they do, is just an incredible inspiration. And so my friend shared with me this story about Muharishi, which just made me laugh. <laughs> so they were, um, they were traveling somewhere, and I think it was at the airport. And I think I can imagine, I'm not sure if you have seen picture, pictures of Maharishi Yogi, but I mean, he looks like a yogi. I mean, right? I mean, he looks like a yogi. He, wear, he probably has been traveling, I think, wearing white clothes. I mean, he looks like one of those Indian gurus. Absolutely, right? And it's uh, so, so unmistakable. And so he has been traveling with his inner circle of students, and they have been somewhere at the airport. And so they arrive, and then there is this man that runs towards him, you know, like across the corridor and just falls to his feet and sort of, you know, and kind of, I guess, asks for blessing, which just feels that, you know, he's going to be blessed right now, but literally touches his feet and kisses Maharishi's feet. And Maharishi goes, hello, hello, um, this man, I think he needs help. A doctor, doctor, please, you know, something is not well with this person. <laughs> and, and, you know, all these people kind of around him and his students were just laughing. At just his humbleness. Like he didn't want. He can't, he can't believe that this is for me. He's just thinking he just fell he down. He didn't want that. You know, he didn't want this public display of, um, uh, what is the word for that? Uh, so he didn't want people, I think, to put him way above themselves. Mm. Right. So that's why he didn't. He and I know it's also uh, because I have been to India a lot. I mean, I know quite a bit about the culture. I know it's also a very cultural thing when we ask for blessings, and of course, the point, we go yeah. to temples, right? We bow. I mean, it's very. It's also out of the respect for the teacher. So I know it's also a very big part of the culture. This is how it is done. I mean, I definitely myself have been doing it many times when I would go to temples or meet masters and gurus, and at the same time here. We talk about it in a social environment, right? It's a society thing. And so, and he has been teaching in the society. And so he didn't want people to create in their head that, that he's like a God that is above everything and everyone. And somehow um, they have to look up to, to him. So he was saying that find this within yourself. That's the whole idea of the practice, right? Look within. The practice is within. So I'm giving you the tool. And, uh, and so to me, that was just very important because I, have, I haven't met Moharishi personally, right? He passed away, you know, in 2008. So I didn't get the chance to meet him face to face. So I can only rely on the stories of people who uh, known him personally. And of course, mm -hmm. they're sharing it, just sharing it. They don't, they don't really think about anything, but you know, but I am paying attention. So when they, when they share this story, it tells me a lot about the person who has been teaching them. And uh, there are like many other stories, like for example, when, um, uh, because part of the, part of the, part of the TM, uh, teaching and initiation, you kind of do this next to the image, next to the image of the master. And uh, for me, it's also very interesting that they don't use uh, Maharishi's image. He didn't want it. They actually use the image of his teacher. So he was honoring his teacher. So you see again this humbleness. So it's not about let's not create this idol out of a human being and put it, you know, above everyone else. It's more, I just learned something from my teacher because of just how my life is. And I'm sharing it with you and I'm giving you a tool. 
And now it is entirely up to you what you want to do about that. And it's very like about that. So there's no sort of, there's no this cult feeling. It's, let's create a cult of one human being, which often yes. which, which even Buddha did. He said that you don't need to pray to me or follow, call it my teachings, just which is what Buddhism is all about. Exactly. Buddha, Buddha said the same thing. I think yeah. they're all saying, I mean, Buddha was saying it, I think Jesus was saying it, I'm sure that, you know, Muhammad was saying it, I mean, yeah. I think all the prophets, you know, and none of them said, follow me, none of them said, no one was saying, follow me, and so it was all about follow the truth, follow, follow the, the truth, yes. right? follow the truth, that's, that's kind of what people were saying, and that, that's what I like about it. And also, like one of those, what you said, like inner sort of stories and conversations we were having, I think, dinner like with people one day. And it was interesting. So one person said, um, sort of, that, that Maharishi never actually said my teachings. So it was never Maharishi's teachings. He was always referring to Vedas or Sanskrit, right? Or, or like his lineage or his guru's teachings. So it's yeah. never personal. And that I respect, you know, as and I think also as a, I mean, technically, I'm sort of East Western woman, right, with my background and upbringing and just my life experience. So I think someone, you know, who well traveled and just knows the world. I mean, I, I respect that. And so when teachers are actually able to bring this truth and wisdom and not stain it with their own ego. Mm. I think it is very hard to do and it requires an incredible mastery because I think it is hard to do if we are trapped in that ego but it's not that difficult once you realize that you know that is actually the truth and there is anything else you say other than that is actually foolishness exactly. uh, because, <laughs> because you know it's it's hard for I sometimes wonder what can what can we say which has not been said before Everything is just in a cycle, right? It's just that we we realize it. It's more more even an experience, for that matter. There is no personal experience. Everything is more like a universal experience. It's out there, but it's personally happening to us for that moment. For us to probably learn something personal from collective knowledge, like many people, as as basic as loss of someone. How many deaths happen in a year or in a second? all over the world but when it's when you lose your own person you write a book on it you know it's something that happens to you so i i don't know where it's, i read it somewhere one of the uh i don't know one of the one of the spiritual teachers wrote that it's all personal experiences are basically universal experiences happening to you at a moment just personally to you for a moment, for you to probably bring out something. Like I said, there is an experienced person who's experiencing and an experience. And the, you know, the, the dance between the two has to bring out something. Again, that something is worded maybe with a different connection of words, but it's already been there. It's just to remind us of that again and again and again. Every time we lose someone, we realize the value of life. But isn't it when we see someone else dying, we, we should realize the value of life. But unless it happens to us, we don't. We, we hear so many cancer patients. But when someone actually has cancer, they start writing about bravery, courage and everything. And it is, it is beautiful because then they get that as a personal purpose to bring that message out. 
and I feel this is this is this is so beautifully represented in our all our you know sort of gurus or people who have been you know the enlightened beings and who have shown the path they are the ones who actually show it this way as well they don't own anything they just say it was it is something that i'm just passing on maybe through my own words maybe i'm able to spread that to people but this is not mine like you said he didn't put his own picture he put his master's picture and probably his master would have put his master's picture it's probably true yeah representation yeah to people yeah, exactly. You know, and I feel, I think, especially like in the modern world, um, just with everything that is happening and with all this new age spirituality, where they're just, it's, it's almost like, a, it's like almost like a popular these days to be a guru or a teacher, you know, when, when people just wake up and go, oh, I can teach, you know, I can lead, I can be a guru. And I go, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, but the fact that you learned a little bit here and there doesn't actually make you a guru or a teacher. So it's, it's a lot of things needs to come together. And also, especially in, in, in the level of consciousness, that you're able to be that, not only the guiding light to people, but so that people in your presence become more enlightened. Mm. That, the, the, that, the real teacher, right? Just being in the presence without saying even anything is the person becoming more enlightened. So to me, that's the main characteristic of a teacher. And then everything else that we say with words or sounds or, you know, or, or any practices we do, this is just like an extra tool that helps our mind to process it. Mm. Um, yes. So I feel that. Um, it is- and, you know, one of the one of the visits, uh, this reminds me of an incident, uh, uh, one of our visits to Cambodia. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and my son went to Uncle Ward that day. My daughter, unfortunately, had some stomach upset and. So my husband stayed with her and I took my brother, my, my son along with me to Angkor Wat, which is one of the biggest temples in Cambodia. It's been very beautiful. Yes. Yes. It's very beautiful and it's huge. So, uh, you know, I had to take my son, I had to make my son walk a lot of areas. I had to tell him a lot of stories to keep him entertained. And one of the tiers there is where there's a library. I think it was an ancient library or something. And uh, there, there's a lot of stories of Mahabharata, which is uh, Indian uh, mythological stories, historical stories. And there was some language carved on those stones with all that depiction of the warriors and everything. There was also something. And uh, the person who was our guide is very innocently telling us everything, not knowing that I'm already from India. So I know this. I've read Mahabharata. And... Uh, uh, and he said, this is this is the God's language. It was written in Sanskrit. So I asked him, what is this language? Because it didn't look like Sanskrit to me because I know Sanskrit. So it is. it didn't look like the, it, it looked like ancient Sanskrit probably, but not the one that we have in schools in India. So he said, this is the God's language. And uh, I was like, wow, uh, you know, this is how they talk about it with so much of pride and so much of love that this is the God's language. So this is the real language and everything is, is, else is a translation. And so much is lost in translation. So therefore, we don't get the essence. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you are really a good guy. And then when we walked on, he takes us to the, the last year, which is actually only for children. Uh, people above 12 years so my son couldn't go he had to sit down with the guide and he said you can go up I went and it was wonderful because there I there there I was told that there are four types of namaste that you do the prayer like you said in in buying tradition in India we touch the feet of our elders 
or uh, you know any priests or anything but there they said there's the four levels this is for the people who are equal to you your own age or your family and everything this is for people who are elder to you this is for your parents or some guru and this is for god ah oh. years so for uh, you know the the namaste position also for different and i was wondering yes there was a so this is like very very ancient system and they have a clear classification of you know when you are with whom how you conduct yourself you bring a sense of reverence to each one but at the same time there is a bit of humility as you as you go higher you know as you go with someone who's more your probably elder to you or probably more wiser than you but how do you assess that and he said you just know you just know maybe at that time people were so pure and so so present with themselves that they could they could sense it but for today as i think it's probably just like a rule what is your age okay you're elder to me so i do this so it's more more intellectual and not really realize the way it was at that time but you clearly see that there was there was teachings have been coming down generations after generations and these are the things we are hearing from one of the most ancient temples in probably the history uh, of the world angkor wat is i probably one of the one of the most ancient and biggest temples in the world so i mean this is uh wonderful to to hear from you the same kind of uh, uh learnings that you have imbibed also from the maharishi vedic university um yes and i feel you know that all the teachers to me all the true teachers all the real teachers all the real masters i think they're all united in the same consciousness right it's all brahman consciousness i mean they're all connected in the same way so that's why whether they are in this part of the world or that part of the world and whatever language they actually speak it doesn't matter they all transmit the same truth and the same consciousness and that that's mm-hmm. it all connects and that's the beauty of it it's kind of whatever door you 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 karmically relate to to open to open into yes. that vastness right yes. so that, that, yeah. exactly and but then once you are there we are all there in the same place it basically it doesn't matter how you get there the moment you're there all connected in the same consciousness yeah and i that brings me to almost uh, is there any questions yana we have from no i'm seeing people no questions people sort of going yeah 100% agree this kind of things but no questions okay sure so <laughs> i would like to ask you asking me later <laughs> yeah i think they're just trying to uh, take it all in and probably there are questions they will be all posted so maybe you can then reply I would like to go ahead uh, in your post which says that I reconnected to deep inner happiness and peace crystallized my life's purpose and connected to my kind of people please elaborate more on that yana because this uh, is also almost the concluding lines of your um, of your message and I think this is this is this is saying a lot this is a lot that you said in this I just feel I found home within myself and also outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And for me it's a big thing. You know, someone who sort of have been nomadic for a very big part of my life for various reasons and my just idea of home sort of has been distorted since I was very young. Life circumstances. So I think I was always just looking for home. And a big part 
uh, of even this journey, the eight months journey that I went on, um, is to, to find that home within myself, first of all. So that it's not dependent on people and it's not dependent on um, circumstances and it's not dependent on places. And that's why I almost put myself through this. Um, it's like a practice. To me, it was absolutely a spiritual practice. When I told myself, I'm going to go keep moving because I want to have this variety of circumstances and people so that I can train myself to stay home within myself, regardless of what is happening. So it was a big part of my practice. And so it was very interesting for me just how incredibly wise life is and how timely nature is with everything it gives us. And just before I arrived into this Maharishi place, I had an experience where I, like a spiritual experience within myself, where I fully experienced on a kinesthetic, intellectual, emotional, mental, energetical levels that I am home here in my heart, in my body. Like in, so it's here, right? That I'm home within. And that was, it's not, it's not like an intellectual understanding. It was a direct experience. And that was before you, before you came to before, exactly just before I arrived into the uh, Maharishi Vedic city, and like literally, like a day before, you know. And the next day, there was my flight to Iowa, and so it was. It was very interesting for me to see that the moment I reached that, that feeling of home within, which was for me already the essence of my entire journey to arrive into this place. Then everything else, it feels like it feels like a puzzle just came together. The whole life, it just all came together. And then so I arrive into this Maharishi place. And I arrive into outside home. Right? So everything that I feel within myself, the feeling of home within, now suddenly I'm arriving in a place and all of this is just projection. Exactly. It's like, it's like a projection of my inner state, right? And everything is around feels like home with all the people and also talking to them and this human connection. And I, why am I referring to this as my kind of people? Because they are both. They are spiritual and practical. And that's my kind of people, right? People who kind of go to one extreme or the other, I personally just find it hard to relate because I believe in a holistic view on life. And I find this, what we're talking about, it's practical spirituality, right? It's important mm -hmm. to be here. And it's important to prepare breakfast for children or go to work and look after parents and contribute to the society. I think it's important. And they are these kind of people. So they, they meditate, right, as part of their life, mornings and evenings, very dedicated to this. And in between time, they do whatever they need to do for the society or for the family or for their businesses. And I really respect that. And I feel this is like the, just like, um, like a role model sort of uh, town to me. And I know even Oprah, I think, recently visited them. And she was amazed just how everything is run. And I believe also... It's, it's called, I think, a Fairfield as the town itself. And it's even ranked in the United States very high, maybe within the first 10 top cities and places for, for living, 
just because the, the, the living is so good there. And uh, so that was a beautiful experience how my inner world mirrored the outer world and vice versa. And also just talking to those people. And I think particularly with Jim and Candace and Rogers and Fred, you know, and Margaret, like all those people who really spent time and my and Olga, my TM teacher, who really invested time in me uh, to, to give me as much as they possibly could to share as much as they possibly could during this time that I spent there. I learned that my dream, <laughs> which I think I have had now for a long time since I heard uh, like a John Lennon songs about one people, right? And creating heaven and earth. And so if it was always a very hypothetical idea, like something which kind of people who have heart, I think aspiring towards to, but never really know how to create it in the reality. And so what I learned during my time with them that actually it is absolutely possible through meditation. And they explained to me how it works and, and why. And it all comes to teaching people how to meditate individually. As we talk now about the specifically the TM practice, because that's the one that they know and that's the one that they were teaching me. So it's helping people to learn how to meditate individually and then uh, becoming very advanced in that practice. It means just really knowing what, what, what you are doing and doing an advanced practice and then coming together in the larger group of people to meditate collectively at the same time in the same place which then changes the energetical vibration for the collective consciousness. And it creates this collective coherence, mm. which quantum leaps everyone's consciousness. And it almost rewires the way how we look at life. And they have been sharing with me those examples. I mean, uh, just today, when Candace told me, like in uh, 1983, you know, when there was uh, um, when there was the war with Israel, so they were sending people there. Then uh, they, I know also when they during the Berlin War, you know, they were kind of coming together as a large group of people. There was like later, there was another experiment. I think I also posted also even before my timeline talking about it. There was an experiment in Washington where they came together as 4,000 people kind of meditating. Um, and the effect that was created on the society and the drop in the crime and just in, 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 increasing kind of increasement in the coherent state and how it was all documented scientifically and how they have been repeating this this experiment over and over again several times, and it always brings the same result. And so to me, to hear that was very inspirational because it also gives me hope that, okay, so what we do, you know, when we try to promote meditation as much as we can, we try to teach people, right? We try to sort of popularize spirituality for the society and make it accessible and, and kind of maybe mainstream, not the right word, but just make it, normal for daily life, like everything else that we do. It's also actually gives me hope that by doing that, we can contribute to the society and we can change, we can, um, we can raise the vibration of the collective, including of those people who 
might not be practicing because then they, they're going to come just automatically, right? So if we have a critical mass of meditators who are just committed to this, a critical mass for the society or for a particular country, then the rest of the population just comes automatically on the same level. And uh, I think I kind of heard about those stories before, but here it was for the first time when they laid out to me and they showed to me all the books they written about it. And they have like 420 peer reviews, you know, that supported. So they have like a massive scientific proof, which just gives me hope that will also then inspire and motivate more people to learn how to meditate. And to come together in groups and do this. And I think it's a wonderful activity to meditate within the families, for example. I mean, I already have conversation like with my with my husband and my mom, you know, and my stepson that uh, I, I would love for them if they are open to go and, and learn TM practice. You know, to me, I find it's a beautiful activity to just meditate together 20 minutes before dinner, for example, you know, each day just to come together in consciousness as a family and uh, in silence. So I find there's just so much, there's so much potential in that. And so that also I feel um, connects directly to, to my life's mission, which I'm realizing more and more what it is. And it's exactly, I think, what you have been describing. I feel that I'm one of those people who share, who just, who learn, who witness, and then share with others and inspire and, and, and share tools and teachers and resources and create communities right around it and kind of show how it is all possible to do in real life. And to do that, I mean, we all need people. It's not possible to do it alone. And we always need people who support us with this vision. And so to me, the beauty is even now, just since I returned to Singapore after my time at Maharishi, uh, I can see how more and more people completely spontaneously approaching me and asking uh, what, what can they do? How can they contribute? How can they be part of this community which is creating that? And so I feel like we start building this, this, this team of people who, who want to do those things. And that's, that just brings me a lot of hope and trust in love, in love life and nature and i feel that with everything that's going on in the world right now we just need it more than ever you know to cultivate this and focus on this, focus on, on on connection on compassion and on kindness beautiful thank you yana thank you for being you i think you are you're definitely a god's chosen one and we can see why why you're so rearing with a vitality, enthusiasm, positivity, and lightness of spirit, because that these are the these are the qualities that are needed for uh, someone to go out and never feel tired, demotivated, or you know, run down by you know. Of course, a lot of things that come up in daily life, uh, which which you can easily maneuver through once you know that there is a there is a higher purpose that you're working towards. And these things are bound to come up to help us on everyday basis as we solve them. We set an example to everyone saying that, yes, how these practices, how this journey has enriched you so much that even though these problems come, the life, everyday life problems come, you don't deny them. You don't stay away from them. You rather work through them. And uh, with a with lot of grace, 
and a lot of happiness, a lot of peace in your heart. Uh, I'm so, so grateful for your time. I'm sure. Um, I know I always take, I don't have a time set. <laughs> and I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know how I could actually have wrapped a boundary of time around something so beautiful like this, because that would have been an injustice to uh, the sharing that you're doing today. Uh, but I would be very, 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 very thankful for your time because I know, like you said, you probably are meeting a lot of people. But I would like to, like, uh, you know, tell everyone that it was so easy to ask Yana to share this. This is the beauty of you. This is the beauty of you. I don't think uh, there was any, there was any, any sort of resistance or any sort of, uh, you know, um, ego is a very huge word. But I would even not even say there was any. Um, doubts that you posted can we do some other you you were just so fluid let, let's do whenever I mean this is I've never heard from someone saying whenever you are okay <laughs> you know this is this is the beauty of people who just understand how important it is what they're doing than what themselves you know when we put ourselves behind the work and the things that we are supposed to do that's where we realize that they just the the work grows because that's what is really there. I mean, we may be here for a finite time, but the things that you've created will remain forever, right? They will be passed on from uh, probably many generations, hopefully. And I love all that you're doing, the timeless teachings. I think I've heard each one of them. And some of them I will keep resharing because then some of them really resonate a lot with me. Not, not others too, but there's some that really speak to me. And I really hope that you continue that and your book comes out soon. I'm pretty sure it's a long work, but but it will be soon out. So 2022 is going to be a very powerful year <laughs> in terms of bringing out a lot of learnings from you. Um, your last, last line in the passage was leaving this place with a feeling of being deeply nourished, inspired, supported, guided, and loved. And Yana, with this sharing, you have left, I think, all of us deeply nourished, inspired, supported, guided, and loved. Thank, so you, thank so much. you so much. Thank you. It also means so much to me. So thank you so much for that. Any last words? I have, I, I have, I have no questions to ask because I know you have been more than generous to share whatever you want because you do understand where we. From which space are we doing this? So is there anything you think you'd like to share as your closing remarks? I feel now is more than ever, it is just so important to turn our focus within ourselves. So that's probably the most important thing with everything we have been living through in the last few years, what we are going through right now in the world and society like all over the world. I feel that our, like the, the solution actually to everything that is happening is for a larger number of people to turn within and find that, that balance, that, that love and kindness and harmony and peace, because that's what we are all looking for fundamentally. Find that peace within yourself and just do whatever you feel will help. <laughs> so, but please do something. So it's in any you know, school, any practice, any culture that you feel resonates with you the most. So just, if we do just that, I feel that's, that's already an enormous contribution to the humanity. When you are peaceful, 
you are already contributing so much. That's probably what I would like to sort of round up our conversation today, which I enjoyed so much. Which was three weeks in heaven on earth. And you really brought those <laughs> moments of heaven to us. Thank you so much, Yana. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. So lovely talking to you as always. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching Timeless Teachings Podcast and Timeless Teachings YouTube channel are the online platforms for raw, real, and unfiltered conversations about spirituality, mysticism, and consciousness in a practical and down-to-earth way. We invite guests from all over the world to show you the variety of systems, schools, tools, and life stories that give the promise of illumination or what is called liberation in all aspects of a human life. It is up to you to decide which path resonates with you the most at this moment of your life. Only you know what is right for you. Did you enjoy the interview? Feel free to share this episode with friends, subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. Stay wild and be humble. The встречи!